This week's episode is brought to you by Patreon at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Not only do you get access to every episode a week early and ad-free, but we have tons of extras, including our two newest interviews. We chat with Mike Scully about his time executive producing the show. I ran it through uh, seasons 9 through 12, which I always characterize as the four most consecutive seasons of the show. And we talk with writer Mimi Pond about what it was like to write the first episode of The Simpsons. You know, and I get to be the turd in the punch bowl every single time I tell this story because nobody wants to hear anything bad about The Simpsons. You can find all that and more exclusively on Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons where your tongue will be torn out by ravenous birds. I'm your host Bob, No Breath Maggie, and this is the Laser Time Podcast Network's chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Hi Bob, I know you from school. <laughs> it's true. me, Henry Gilbert. Who else? Uh, Professor Chris Antistas, Cornucopia, Fantastic Food, Megorium, and Great American Steakery. I'm already hungry, and who else? <laughs> Cat Bailey, and I am familiar with the works of Pablo Neruda. As we all are. And today's episode is Bart Sells His Soul. Professor P.J. Cornucopia's Fantastic Food Magorium, Great American Steakery. <laughs> I almost Yo. got it. I almost got it. <laughs> I did not think you'd have that, Chris. I and Bob yeah. stole my no breath, so uh, I had to, had to, had to struggle. You had to come up with more than one. I, I can't believe nobody did pog form. I was like, well, I'm uh, not going to do pog form. Obvious. Somebody else has uh, it. Yeah. Today's episode aired on October 8th, 1995, and as always, Chris will tell us what happened on this mythical day in Simpsons history. <gasps> Boy, Bobby, Wishbone debuts on PBS. John Bobbitt uses plastic surgery to extend his <laughs> extend his severed dick three whole inches. Well, why would oh. you? And Antonio Banderas will be number one when he takes down Sylvester Stallone and the Wachowskis' assassins. I feel like Dave Rudden should be here to tell us that Wishbone is dead. <laughs> I'm sorry to break it to you guys, but I like Wishbone. It came on when I was way too old to be watching it, but I was like, Wishbone is a show that encourages reading, but it actually cuts out the middleman where it's like, this dog will tell this you the dog- story. Don't read the mm. book. It now has a dog in it. This dog will narrate the cliff notes. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ. And you kill cliff notes. Yeah. I, I was more of a fan of Ghost Writer. Mm. Me too. That was my favorite. I Me didn't too. care for that much. <laughs> Today's episode, I do want to mention, it is the last script written by Greg Daniels before he left to work on King of the Hill. I believe he mm-hmm. supervised... 22 short films about Springfield. Yes, yeah, he was the, like, he kept track of everything, kind of glued it all together. But this was his last written episode. He would leave for King of the Hill. Uh, As the story goes, that Mike Judge was the creator of it, but then Fox partnered him with Greg Daniels, and Judge liked what Greg Daniels did so much that normally Greg Daniels, what he did would have gotten him the developed by credit, like, Mm. say, Sam Simon and James L. Brooks have on The Simpsons. But Mike Judge was like, you know what? No, you did so much work on this, your co-creator. And he gave him the co-creator credit, as in meaning millions more dollars. I'd say billions at this point. So I want to talk about Greg Daniels real quick because two events in his life kind of form what happens in this episode. So uh, he tells he's on the commentary, does a much better job than I will. But to give you the short version is... In in Greg's life, <laughs> yeah. he was he was Millhouse. He looks like Millhouse when he was a kid. He was being bullied uh, at his boarding school, so he's a you know a little Richie Rich kid. Richie Rich kid. But uh, he was being bullied by someone who kicked him with sharp cowboy boots. So he. Ooh. 
he was a philosophy guy. He ran the philosophy club. So he he tricked this bully. He does deserve to be bullied. He if really he runs does. A philosophy club. <laughs> so he tricked this bully into selling him his soul on a piece of paper wow. for fifty cents. And then after that happened, he coached people into telling the bully, "Are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> do you really think this could be your one chance? You could go to hell for this." So by the end. Uh, the, the bully wanted his soul back, and Greg raised the price drastically. <laughs> but the bully bought his soul back on a piece of paper, and that's what formed the basis of this episode, Greg tormenting a bully. It's, it's wonderful to know it's, it's based on something so specific. I, yes. I love that he says that he did it more than once. Yes. And then eventually he's like, I then remembered who's the only person who makes money off of selling souls, and that is the devil. So I should probably stop. <laughs> the only thing worse is, is an executive producer. Well, I think a if TV it, show. If it, I don't. I don't, I don't mean to judge it with my cold atheist heart, but that if, <laughs> it, it's become. It comes off as one of the more spiritual Simpsons episodes. Oh yeah, uh, it is. If, if it's not based on a like an actual story that Greg Daniels. Well, yeah, Simpsons is an alternate universe where God actually exists. It's true. It's well, true. Yeah. Where not God not only exists, but in intervenes as we have seen in canonical episodes it is a cruel god of the world of the simpsons but that's how to make (laughs) jokes funnier is if there's if god is cruel the second uh, greg daniels anecdote relates to the first thing that happens in this episode in which uh greg was trying to get close to a devout baptist woman i believe he was a non-believer probably still is and he decided to go on a spiritual retreat with her a weekend retreat that girl missed the bus, so he was there alone and brooding. Wow. Couldn't even get an <laughs> yes. attempt to get laid on and, this trip. And at a service, they were asking, like, what hymn should we sing? And he, being a jerk, he said, Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> and they looked for it for minutes, and they were really mad when they found out it wasn't an actual hymn. So uh, he pulled the, he's both Bart and Milhouse in this episode. So thank you, wow. Greg Daniels. I, I love Greg Daniels. I think it really, the show is, I think, more damaged by losing Greg Daniels than Conan O'Brien. Even, yeah, I, I mean, say. you would go on to see just how influential Greg Daniels was to comedy with both yep. King of the Hill and The American Office. Yeah. Or sorry, The Office and American Workplace. Yes. I'm stealing that from Scott yeah. Ackerman, by the way. Greg Daniels is a very like prolific dude who he, he never forgot his roots on The Simpsons either. Not just uh, going into animation with King of the Hill, but on The Office, there was a Homer Simpson doll mm-hmm. in The Office oh, okay. on the show as well. But and his time with Conan, the, the mug Greg Daniels gave him is still on Conan's desk uh, mm-hmm. on every episode of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I also saw, I remember on the commentary... Daniel said he was going to make this an episode about race in Springfield at first, but yeah, maybe then, don't do that. Yeah, I I wonder <laughs> what Simpsons would have to say about race in like, 1995. Oh, I mm, don't know. I mean, they handled sexual harassment so well, mm. so uh, no, they didn't. <laughs> uh, but, Go back to Homer Badman, <laughs> uh, boy. Yeah, that. It's funny we recorded. I funny is the wrong word. It's interesting we recorded that right before every every Hollywood person oh my God, was revealed that was to be right a sexual harasser. Yeah, pre Weinstein. Yeah. It was pre-Weinstein, pre-all the... But yes, this uh, start out here, though, Bart has his own little trick in. And now, please rise for our opening hymn, uh, In the Garden of Eden, by I, Ron Butterfly. Uh-huh. In the Garden of Eden, honey, I love Bart's satisfied singing Remember when we used to make out to this hymn? (laughs) (laughs) Tire solo. 
dying at this point. Wait a minute, this sounds like rock and overrule. Oh boy, so good. Uh, Bart basically kills the organ player. Yeah. Well. So 17 minutes later. Yeah, my uh, I actually had heard of Inigata De Vida when this episode aired. Really? Because really? well, it was one of my mom's favorite go-to joke songs. Mm. She, she yeah. would always say, call into the oldie station and request Inigata De Vida. Because they would never play it on the radio because it's a 17 20, minutes uh, yeah, and five seconds long. Wasn't there a previous joke about this on The Simpsons? Like, long version. The extra long version of Inigata De Vida yeah, was where when was, that? Uh, was when the boogeyman Michael Jackson came to town. Oh, it was okay. not made up to scare children. <laughs> They'd have you believe. Yeah, Bart interacted with him. Yeah, I know. He kind of forgot his love of Michael Jackson. If you can see the, if you can see the the sheet music, you can see that it says "In the Garden of e- uh, In the Garden of Vita by Iron Butterfly. Yeah. So it, <laughs> Remember have... Lovejoy? I didn't even bother to look at the title. What does that even mean? Do we know the history of this? No. So, because uh, I always thought it was shocking that Bart knew this song. I'd never heard. It's a very this, clever play. For... It's my favorite part about that. That he's singing the loudest for someone presumably <laughs> born in 1985. In this yeah. episode, he's pretty savvy to uh, classic rock. But it's a 1968 psychedelic rock song by Iron Butterfly. It is 17 minutes long, and it takes up the entire side of that album by the same name. And apparently, it was written by a dude uh, who had drunk a gallon of wine and he wrote it while drunk and then he uh, his slurred words became the title of the song it sounds it, that wow. sounds made up it does it's, it's been confirmed almost everywhere <laughs> i read it sounds apocryphal but it, it really happened wow. and there is a two minute and 53 second radio version you can't oh, don't listen to that but it's a drum solo. it's a very long drum solo is it a like, drum solo or just well it's it's i guess an over a solo in general yeah it's it feels like prog rocky yeah me. it's it's like early prog rock in 69 well, or 68 and you but. will hear it. i never heard the song before this and now it's it's like stock for like when anybody accidentally trips like this song just kicks in i think mm. fuck what was it freddy's dead i think i think ah. it comes in there sorry we just did elm street nightmare it's a catchy and, song i mean da, 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 and i'm glad iron butterfly got paid off for this yeah too. but it like screams psychedelia at this well, point so it's my know. first exposure to the song was in the songs songs in the key of springfield uh, i had not seen the episode oh, and i was right. like oh this is kind of catchy and so i found the actual song and discovered that it was in fact 17 minutes long and also it's not a very good song to listen to <laughs> those are all the lyrics you heard all of them there's yeah. not a lot of singing in the song and then they just had to stand the entire time as the I would think that the organ player should have been very suspicious when her music sheet was handed to her was probably like 50 pages an entire long book of music yeah. for one song uh, but it's 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 fun they got some they got some good fun out of Lovejoy being a fuddy duddy of like rock and or roll and then we get to see some uh, good old fashioned Christian guilt mm. I know one of you is responsible for this so repeat after me if I withhold the truth may I go straight to hell where I will eat not but burning hot coals and drink not but burning hot coals Cola. Where fiery demons will punch me in the back. Will my soul will be chopped into confetti and strewn upon a parade of murderers and single mothers. Where my tongue will be torn out by ravenous birds. Ah! Bart did it! That part right there! Millhouse! <laughs> Millhouse, you did the right thing. Bart, come with me for punishment. You too, Snitchy. <gasps> I want you to clean every one of these organ pipes that you have befouled with your popular music. Murderers and single mothers together at last. <laughs> That's pretty rough because I mean, Hellfire is a real, a very real thing to a lot of people. So mm-hmm. to be to have kids reciting that and 
they do believe every single word that i mean mm-hmm. you saw millhouse's reaction to that and like oh my god there is actually literally going to be a bird that tears out my tongue it, it's the brainwashing of children to make them afraid <laughs> I, yeah it, that like bart being dark. very bored reciting that you could tell they've said it many times mm-hmm. before you can tell where we stand on this subject by the way. <laughs> yes yeah, no we're not best. i mean the episode Sorry, does Christian too the, the, the like... episode is taking this stance as well i'm not going to apologize i refuse to apologize well the episode yeah, kind of plays fast and inter- loose. It takes like, an interesting stance in this. I'm sure yes. we'll talk about this a little later. Yeah. But. yeah. but when I think of Millhouse's My Tongue Will Be Ripped Out by Ravenous Birds, that it reminds me of that uh, terrifying documentary Jesus Camp Ooh, where you can see these poor children who are just like praying so hard. They're like, please, please don't send me else. Like, this is horrible to do to children. Oh. It, this is abuse. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm just reminded of a story of like somebody saying, yeah, I was told that my, my parents were burning in hell by my pastor or whatever. And I, that tormented me for like years and years Ugh. and years. It's rough. No, this is pretty cruel of Lovejoy to make the kids feel that, just to find out who did it, which honestly should have jumped to the conclusion, it is either Nelson or Bart. Yeah. <laughs> so. And it was Bart's mistake to tell Milhouse because I don't think Milhouse yeah. was even an accomplice to this plan. He, he probably knew where a Xerox machine was. <laughs> That's true. Milhouse is party to most of his plans. He was party to Buttzilla. He was true. party to the Lost Dutchman's Mine. He was. Milhouse is usually these in These pranks the are not funny, though, if you've ever pulled them before, unless you tell somebody that you've done true, it. True, true. Oh, the brag. And one last thing about that uh, Ravenous Birds line. So when this season began, I remember they had an ad that was just like, the new season of Simpsons is starting. And interspersed in it were clips from a lot of the first few episodes. That would include the Treehouse of Horror and scenes from this. And when they played that clip of the of the ravenous birds mm-hmm. thing just on its own that it sounds like it's so scary looking same with <laughs> the dinosaur eating lisa that i was like i was sure these clips were from treehouse of <laughs> oh, horror so when yeah. this episode came out i was like oh this isn't treehouse? out of context the slow pan across the chanting children to the bird in the window is kind of creepy it's it's generally a creepy episode but uh yeah so as they're cleaning this we hear we get to hear all about bart's non-believing and also not believing in michael jackson who just four years ago, he was his biggest fan. <laughs> yeah. He loved Michael He Jackson. moonwalked. But every religion says there's a soul, Bart. Why would they lie? What would they have to gain? <laughs> yes. I don't hear scrubbing. Uh. Well, if your soul is real, where is it? It's kind of in here. And when you sneeze, that's your soul trying to escape. Saying God bless you crams it back in. And when you die, it squirms out and flies away. <laughs> uh-huh. What if you die in a submarine at the bottom of the ocean? Oh, it can swim. <laughs> it's even got wheels in case you die in the desert and it has to drive to the cemetery. How can someone with glasses that thick be so stupid? Listen, <laughs> you don't have a soul. I don't have a soul. There's no such thing as a soul. Fine. If you're so sure about that, why don't you sell your soul to me? How much you got? Five bucks? Deal. There you go. One soul. Pleasure doing business with you. Anytime, chum. <laughs> I think Milhouse came up with the idea for It Follows in that little uh, <laughs> that little pitch. 
Yeah, I I love that little kitty kind of thing of saying like, oh, it's got wheels, yeah, and it can and it can swim that too. S- just self assured and bullshit. I wish I could get there again. Wild speculation is the foundation of all religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty I, much. I've listened to everybody. We're like, well, what about this? Well, I imagine that it must be like this, this, this. Are you just making that up? Well, like, uh, we can't know. It's probably this. Like, no, that's what I say. Yeah, this is not canon. <laughs> <laughs> but that that I think my favorite critique of religion in this whole episode is. What do they have to gain? That's the, the sound money. of money. Yeah. Pretty Just, heavy-handed, but also pretty great. Yeah, it made me laugh. it's a big like gut punch. Yeah. <laughs> the, I also love the churchy echo when Bart mm. says, "There's no such thing as a soul." Just mm. like that's how blasphemous Bart is. It's very being well in staged. This mm. Yeah, it's great. So, so the thing the- that's interesting, uh, I, I think, is that it establishes Bart at the beginning at as a huckster. Like he, yeah. he is pulling pranks on the church he's tricking millhouse into giving him his soul and he's kind of a he's a kid with no morals or no ethics mm. right and the rest of the show is basically him paying penance for that yeah it's true yeah. He, he learns he learns an ethical the he learns a lot of ethical lessons i suppose or morals what's the difference i can't so, it. <laughs> well I, I think that people who say well if you don't believe in God, there's no way that you can have morals, and I strongly disagree with that because I have a pretty staunch code of ethics here. Yeah, and, you're a Star Trek viewer. If the and, only reason you're a good person is fear of punishment, that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I can't go to hell. I better be good. But if you're looking at Bart, like, he doesn't have any morals. He doesn't mm-hmm. have any ethics, and so this is him kind of being punished for that. Uh, Kat, did you stop believing in God after seeing Star Trek V? <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! Uh, I stopped believing in God when I discovered that uh, God really hated lesbians. Oh uh, yeah, that's he'll do that. Tells you no, that. No, no, yeah. he's very specific. It's only the men. Mm-hmm. Uh. Another thing that reminded me of being a kid was the conversation between the Hibberts about going out to dinner. So I guess I was a little upper middle class mm. compared to uh, other people, like but me. We, we, <laughs> so we would go out to dinner at chain at strip mall restaurants like these, theme restaurants like these, no. semi regularly. I would also find out later it's because my dad. And my my mom didn't like cooking, and my dad was very unhappy being at home and wanted to just go oh, go out to exciting places to eat. My parents never did, except for one one time, one place Tuesday night at Tuesday night at Pizza Hut, where you get a free oh. Nickelodeon. Where kids get free personal yeah, pizzas. I remember you that. got a pitcher of Pepsi and a pitcher of fuck, mm-hmm. ugh, pitcher of soda, a, a <laughs> shitty pizza, and uh, it was hopefully a little stamp on your book it card. Mm, but but we would it. go. We went to Applebee's. We went to yeah. TGI Fridays. We went to. Outback Steakhouse. Uh, oh, we never did Benigan's, that. Only while traveling. S- spaghetti so, Factory. All we didn't have a Bennigan's where I grew up. We had oh. an Applebee's. Oh, Turkey Tom. Oh. We, we did have an Applebee's and a TGI Fridays and a Fuddruckers, which we would all oh, go Oh, I to. didn't have a Fuddrucker. I never went to Fuddruckers until I moved here. I <laughs> love Fuddruckers. We Fud went before Ruckers. MSD, didn't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, oh, yeah, we did. did. Yes, yeah. In my shit town, we had none of this stuff until a few years later. There was no. I mean, there wasn't. There was not even a Walmart anywhere yeah. near us. <laughs> did you, the term I heard used to describe them, I thought was great. Is brass bar restaurants? Oh, brass. Yeah. that's a great way to put it. Yeah, I never and heard that. I, I never heard that until well, the, the moment when I heard it, like fifteen years ago, and mm. it perfectly described all of them. It and makes sense. All, all yeah. dying. I they're remember all dying, at the Applebee's, well, because millennials don't want to eat there. The, the millennials are killing it. And like, everything inside of them is wet. Yeah. Like, everything has just yeah. been wiped off with a rag. It's really weird. You know, I just ate at a Cheesecake Factory this weekend oh. in a celebratory meal with my boyfriend. I ate, like, 8,000 calories. 
movies yeah. and felt disgusting afterwards. It is but. a factory. And we went to TJ Friday's over the holidays because uh, they're open Christmas Eve. It's so odd when you get like a receipt back for your drink that has like the scent on it because we get the bars around here are just like it's just six dollars, eight dollars. That's all it is. Like fourteen ninety three. Like Jesus, man, <laughs> this is coming out of your tip. It wasn't until I was in my twenties that I discovered what actually good food was mm-hmm. and then i went back to places like applebee's and went oh this nah. isn't very good at all look they're not chilies all this type of <laughs> ruby tuesdays they're not <laughs> particularly great or olive garden they're not particularly good but i feel warm nostalgia eating at them and yeah, yeah. I mean, it feels like for, for mcdonald's yeah. we also yeah. live in a place where those places are not allowed so yeah. all the places mm-hmm. i eat are just local True. like yeah. there's local chains or just one local but restaurant i, I think and the I thing is it. that they hand you a plate of food first of all it's a massive plate of food yeah. so oh, yes. the the portions are insane eat and they're kind of tasteless i don't drink soda anymore mm-hmm. so when i was a is it kid because the soda's too cold or uh, no <laughs> i just don't like soda what do you got against deep fried ranch exactly so i inevitably come out feeling really Really gross. The beer is not very good, and it's nope. actually kind of overpriced for what it yeah, gives you. At all those places, the best possible beer is Blue Moon. Yeah, that's the best, <laughs> highest quality beer you can get. And that's yeah. like a your parents haven't heard of this. No, Ooh, that's got flavor in it. The Simpsons will be right back. Why sell your soul for $5 when you could give that $5 to Talking Simpsons? Well, you could do that at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons, where you could have heard this episode a week early and ad-free, along with a ton of other awesome stuff. That includes all of our previous interviews that we've done with folks who've worked on The Simpsons, including showrunner Bill Oakley, showrunner Mike Scully, Mimi Pond, the writer of the first episode of The Simpsons that ever aired, and many other awesome people. Plus, our live interview and Sketchfest show with Dana Gould is on the Patreon right now, though it will also be appearing in your podcast feed very soon. Not to mention, you'll get access to every episode of Talking Critic, the entire first season of Talking Simpsons, all of our season wrap-ups, including the one we just did for season six, and a ton of other things, including some exclusive videos that only $10 and up premium users can get their hands on. It's all at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons, and just $5 will get you so much. Sure, you could get Moe's Million Dollar Birthday Fries, but wouldn't you rather have a Talking Simpsons t-shirt for just $19.99 plus tax and shipping? You can get one of those for yourself at shirtsickle.com or at tiny.cc slash talking shirt. I saw some really cool people wearing those shirts at our recent live shows in San Francisco, and you can get one for yourself, a beautiful sky blue, a logo designed by wonderful friend of the show, Nina Matsumoto, and it ships somewhat internationally, so even if you're not in North America, that does doesn't mean you can't get your hands on the shirt. It's at Shirtsicle, like Popsicle, but with shirt in the title, or at tiny.cc slash talking shirt. Hey, this is Sideshow Luke Perry. You're listening to Talking Simpsons on Laser Time. Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show, 30, 20, 10. Here's a clip from 1987. In the future... 
the world has survived. Romance has not. Right, so we'll say a dinner, complete sexual encounter, <laughs> optional episode in the morning, right? I gotta run this past my own lawyer. Pleasure is strictly business. But it will be possible to have the perfect mate. A Cherry 2000. What the hell is this? I okay. want to see this so bad, Black Diana. Mirror. All right, so... This looks insane. So that's a basic setup. This guy, this guy has a sex bot, and it breaks, and he wants... <laughs> he wants a new... He wants it, the exact same model of sex bot, so he has oh. to go out beyond civilization to go find the warehouse full of the sex bot that oh, he wants. it's like an older one? It's weird. Do you think he, like, gets to the warehouse, and they're like, ah, oh, yes, the old model, the one with the extra small vagina, and he's like, no, I just, like... I just just like how she looks. It's it's oh, like, you no, want no, the you tiny giant. Yeah, oh yeah, we don't make this anymore because no one's dick small enough to fit this thing. <laughs> you, know, you don't need to say that. Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on lasertimepodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. I want to say, this is the first time that we see Hibbert's entire Cosby-esque family. Yeah. And this family features one of two doppelgangers in this episode. So, the Theo in his family is the same as the Theo we see on the Cosby show in A Star is Burns, except they're wearing different clothes. They are the same design. So, he stole a Theo. Well, maybe you guys would have loved themed restaurants. The Rudy's different, sorry. to Moe's, and they were dank. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Natural life! Get it off me! Get it off me! No, I'm sorry. I thought this was a family restaurant. Oh, it is. It is. Just, uh, uh, pull them stools up to the pool table. Daddy, this place smells like Tinkle! Mm Mm-hmm. I think we'll just go to the Texas Cheesecake Depository. (laughs) Everybody is going to family restaurants these days. Seems nobody wants to hang out in a dank pit no more. You ain't thinking of getting rid of the dank, are you, Mo? Ah, maybe I am. Oh, but Mo, the dank! The dank! Yeah, family restaurants. That's where the big bucks are. So I've been to a place like Moe's, and when she says, this place smells like Tinkle, I can totally imagine it. Because I used to go to Santa Clara for San Jose Earthquakes games, and there was one bar, and it was called The Hut, and I would walk in, and I would immediately be overwhelmed by the smell of urine. (laughs) And the beer would all be very warm, so you didn't want to get it out of the tap, because it would be flat and warm. You wanted to get it out of bottles. But it was literally the only place to drink, so you would go out into the back area to stand by the table, so you didn't have to smell the inside. I I don't like Tinkle smell, but I love bars with a lot of good dank in them. And I do do the uh, Carl thing. The dank! the day uh as a young man smoking pot i relish the opportunity to like go in a dark place <laughs> no to, to someone like to say the day hey where who's rolling uh, this thing the dank the dank like just <laughs> the what the dank the natural light thing by the way is something that i say all the time yeah. I, it, it, I, I hear it weird now also having grown up in the same pot period <laughs> yeah. drinking a lot of natural light they're oh, in a bar, and they're, they're, it's like the only time they've name-checked a real beer. They, they should yeah, they should be afraid of that piss water. Uh, so it, this, it is ocean water, like, yeah. to, to the taste. It, so this episode was directed by Wes Archer, who would also leave The Simpsons oh, yeah. for King of the Hill to be the uh, series director of the animation. Though a little after, he'll finish out season seven. And he's currently the series director on Rick and Morty, the previously mentioned Rick and Morty. But there's an interesting oh, uh, yeah. fight that's going on, even still on the commentary for it, but that happened during the production of the episode, is that Oakley Weinstein think Mo looks wrong. But Wes Archer's like, no, this is him on the model sheet. This yeah. is how he's supposed to look. So Mo is missing a left tooth. 
in the <laughs> upper part of his mouth for most of this episode. And there were a lot of retakes in this episode, too. It mm. is distracting to see it because he doesn't normally miss a tooth, I think. I don't know. My I've... theory is that it was a power move by by Wes Archer, who had he had done episodes with Mo and them before. Mm. I think he was like, this is how I want Mo to look. And I'm going to make him look like this for an entire episode. And if I do, it'll stick. Like, I want Mo uh. to be missing a tooth. Which apparently he's missing that one tooth on the model sheet. But mm-hmm. also you get the problem is when the Simpsons smile, it's a bunch of vertical lines. Yeah. When Mo smiles, you the missing tooth go, goes like, away. Go, like it, there's now a tooth there. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense yeah, visually. I, maybe Wes Archer was playing a power move there because he's like, I've been here since the shorts. Yeah. You new kids aren't telling me how to draw Mo. Especially in the commercial where he's forced to smile at the camera. All of his yes. teeth are there. Yeah, it's like true. all vertical lines. So he, he definitely looks more ugly than usual in this one yeah. though, does. Which I He's kind of supposed to, I think, to make it even even mm. more weird that he's being friendly and having to be nice to people. I'm going to be an iconoclast. I wish the the missing tooth most stuck around. Oh, wow. Yeah. Man. It's good for his character. Make him uglier. Mm-hmm. What about you want him to get back his black hair, too? Is that a... Ooh, that's a step <laughs> no. too far. <laughs> uglier. Gray hair. Gray missing hair. Tooth. Missing tooth. Well, he should be in his 60s, so yeah. he should have uh, his chestnut hair. Uh, but Maggie, also, it's almost too dark to read it, but I do like Maggie sucking on the umbrella. Umbrella, the drink umbrella. Oh, yeah. Cute. And then he's got to put a coaster under it. So did you ever buy those dinosaur sponges as a kid? Fuck I yes. did. Yeah, and they're no, this They are very disappointing. Though I never even like sprayed them with water. I You put them, you're, you're told to put them in a glass. Like yeah. put them in a glass of water. I, I did. And the, they'll grow 10% bigger. It, it, it alleges 500%. I tried to look up if there's anybody who made these specifically, but mostly they're called magic grows. Mm. But a billion different other names bought almost exclusively in museum gift shops in the yeah. Shape yeah. of dinosaurs. Uh, I put you can put it in your mouth. They're the closest thing to like a smart toy you can mm-hmm. to get your parents to buy you at mm-hmm. the gift shop. Like. The stupidity of single use toys. So Bart's mm-hmm. imagination kind of reminds me of Calvin and Hobbes. Ah. Yeah, there, there was a storyline that I always think of where uh, Calvin ordered a beanie that had oh, a little yeah. spinning propeller blade yeah. and half the comics are him imagining all the cool things he's going to do he's going to like fly away <laughs> and he finally gets it and he accidentally breaks it and his dad fixes it and he finally gets it to work and then of course it's just going yeah, and he's right. like what? <laughs> I what? love that yeah I you have those dreams so many times as a kid of like this toy is going to change everything. <laughs> yeah. It, so Bart's ultimate plan is to get Lisa wet with water. It's very much like his ultimate plan to uh, to get Allison Taylor wet with the oh, yes, hose, yeah. giving her the spring of a lifetime. I, but I remember being nervous because we'd already seen my imagined Skinner being cut in half. Like, what's yeah. he going to do to his sister? I'm like, oh, nothing. That's Scooping sweet. Funny, funny smelling water all over me. Yeah. He could do so much better with five bucks, though. I mean, yeah. it's kind of yeah. annoying to me that he spent yeah. it on those sponge things. Five bucks and ninety five. That's like oh a my value meal, yeah. man. He could have bought three comic books at the... Oh, the comic yeah. yeah. Would have lasted him longer. Him not caring... I, I probably would have had Bart's same attitude, but I also would have been like too much of a chicken to sell it because it'd be like... Just to hedge my bets, just in case. That's called Pascal's wager, everybody. Uh, That's like, I'm going to believe in God just in case. Mm -hmm. I mean, recanting on my deathbed, Simpsons taught me that too. That was my plan. (laughs) And uh, I have a similar feeling about throwing away toys ever because I I think like, what if Toy Story is real? 
I'm killing this toy. Like, what am I doing? Need more shelves, man. That's all you need. (laughs) Toys make me happy. This room is a testament to that. I just put up a bunch of uh, toys on the shelves. Got a lot of compliments for them. I don't have any Simpsons toys, or close to any, really. Still buying them. Also, my cat never eats bugs. I don't know what this cat eating bugs. My my cat totally totally eats bugs. He will hunt the bug as it's flying Mm. around and then grab it with his paw and eat it. It's pretty impressive. Wow, man. I can't recall my cats ever eating bugs. They hunted lizards in Florida. Like, well, it's we lots of protein in them. Protein mm, and fat in those bugs. You see bugs as odd, but not hunting lizards. I guess not. No, I mean, that's <laughs> a cat coming in with three lizards in its mouth. Uh, it is funny to see that Bart gets very, like, physical proof that his soul changed things yeah. immediately. Stupid on a man of door. Thank you, door. Some ice cream guy's gonna see that and it'll blow his mind. <laughs> Let me try. <sighs> Way to breathe, no breath. <laughs> this is getting weird. Sanjay to the entrance with the Windex. <laughs> Sanjay to the entrance with the Windex. So The Simpsons has poisoned my mind, to which uh, every time I go through an automatic door, I think, thank you, door. <laughs> it happened today when I was at Target. <laughs> but wow. I never say it. Wow, Ron. So <laughs> a little kid, I thought I thought they were making turn, making Bart into a vampire because mm. he's scaring pets and yeah. he seems to have no like physical embodiment. He is a demon. Yeah. He became a demon. Yeah. I, I love that sound of the intercom that, uh, uh, that has never been used at the Quickie Mart ever again, I don't think. It's small but, enough where Sanji could hear him if he just said sanjay get over here <laughs> yes yeah. but it's much funnier if you hear it over an intercom sound it well, heightens the humiliation i used to work for a convenience store as oh. it happens mm. we had a button oh so uh. you press the button and in the if they were in the back it would just buzz them to come up okay sanjay is usually in the back at the quickie mart you don't see him all that often yeah well he's probably putting things away in the cooler or mm. he's handling the accounts or something like that he could be tending to the garden he's the bookkeeper there is what mm. i want to think yeah. in my head canon also he has children unlike apu at this point so oh mm. so then mo is trying to think of a name and we get a return of my favorite barney catchphrase so come on i need a name that says friendly all-american cooking how about chairman mo's <laughs> magic walk I like it! Mm, nah, I want something that says people can have a nice, relaxing time. I got it! <laughs> Madman Moe's Pritchard Cooker! I like it! Hey, how about Uncle Moe's Family Feed Bag? I hate it! <laughs> oh boy, the deep fry is here. <laughs> I got it used from the Navy. You could flash fry a buffalo in 40 seconds. 40 seconds? But I want it now! <laughs> So my favorite. Level. That was from the uh, the USS Missouri, by the way, a real a real battleship. It fought in the yeah. battles of Iwo Jima and Okinawa, the Korean War, and Operation Desert Storm, and it was decommissioned in 1992. <laughs> but most importantly, Cher's video, if I could turn back time, Whoa! was filmed on the USS Missouri. Whoa, and it really so. made the Navy mad. They're Holy like crap. that strumpet strutting around in her little stockings. I believe the USS Missouri was also where the Japanese surrendered to the U.S. Huh. Oh, okay, wow. yeah. on a boat. This yes. is definitely a very old man kind of reference that Oakley. Yeah. I have been on the USS yeah. Missouri, by the way. I believe what? it. Yes. <laughs> and what did you flash fry when you? Were <laughs> man, that's I. I have not. Wait, why? What? Where? More cat. More. Uh, forgive me. I don't remember what where exactly it was. I might have been Hawaii in Hawaii because okay. I remember I went. 
Whenever I'm traveling, I usually end up in a World War II museum or something <laughs> because I'm a history nerd. Yeah. <laughs> I like history. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, cool, a submarine or, oh, cool, mm-hmm. an old battleship. So I recall I was like, oh, the USS Missouri. <laughs> they surrendered. The Japanese surrendered well, uh, to America here. So I went on the ship and learned about its history and everything. Wow. And no, I did not see the uh, the deep fryers. But. <laughs> I don't know a lot. I don't know a lot about war because I'm not a weirdo. But uh, <laughs> I, I was surprised to see a, a ship built for World War Two was in like Desert Storm. I guess they last for a while. Yeah. Well, that was the return of Barney's catchphrase of "I like it." That's which, great. If uh, you guys ooh, have gotten yeah. text from me, it's one of my favorite things. Is if I'm oh, going to get somebody I never put <laughs> when anybody says like, "Well, should we do this today?" I like it. He literally did that to me yesterday. Yes. That's yeah. from uh, the B Sharps, right? Yeah. It's okay. Handsome Homer Simpson plus four plus three. <laughs> I like it. That, and now this is another Barney. I like it from underneath a, uh, a a sheet as they're building the place around him. Barney's pretty funny in this episode. He's good. I, I, he's, like, he's a good set decoration in this episode. I also think Skinless in Seattle is maybe my favorite Itchy and Scratchy short or one it's of great. them. I it's, forgot the space needle only goes into his eye a little bit. It's perfect. That yeah. the, it goes. It gets stuck in his iris, it, and but yeah. he runs around with it. It's just so perfect. So I'll confess to having a really hard time watching Itchy and Scratchy episodes because the yeah. violence has always turned up just a little too high, and I'm yeah. squeamish. Oh, and having like the space needle thing come down yeah. right in his eye, I'm like. Ah, I think the pie stuff is, is a lot for me. Yeah, the violence is too specific. It's not like a head exploding or like yeah. someone turning into a skeleton. It's actually something that could happen to you. It's like not Looney Tunes. It's really gory. <laughs> yeah. My God, it, it, this one's pretty mild by like most comparisons. Goes but f- further than Woody Woodpecker most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, this episode, I think, taught many people about the work of the Nobel Prize winning poet Pablo Neruda. I know that's funny, but I'm just not laughing. Hmm. Pablo Neruda said laughter is the language of the soul. I am familiar with the works of Pablo Neruda. I think we should do a test. Well? Nope. I don't feel a thing. That's creepy, Bart. I think you really did lose your soul. Good boy. Oh, oh. Who's doing that? Oh. Nothing. Oh, help me. Oh, why isn't anybody? Oh, help it. That's so great. Yeah, the who's doing that got my favorite, who's my hardiest laugh. The, them are, they, they're both looking worried, and in the center is Homer's ass being bitten by a dog. <laughs> a dog. I just love to his vocalizing. Like, oh, I'm walking. Yeah. That's got to be an ad lib. It really feels like Dan Castellaneta. It, it goes just long enough. Yeah. yeah, that's another a, act break, right? There are two yeah, great yeah. act breaks in this episode. As the act break, just the way, and Homer's the key to both of them. But that he just felt, he's like, why is no one helping? Me? It was the ideal joke where it went long enough that it became funny or mm-hmm. even funnier, but also took up a little bit of extra time. Yes. Uh, so Pablo Neruda, was, oh, the nine-tailed fox. Uh, <laughs> Before we get to this, I apologize for mispronouncing his last name. I know it's Neruda, not Naruto. Pablo Neruda. Yeah, he he. Was was 
And Finally, going to be the chieftain of the his, city. His son Pablo Boruto. <laughs> so it He's was a, a dirty Chilean, communist. Yeah, it was a Chilean socialist pol- politician slash poet, and uh, who may have been killed by Pinochet. Mm. Uh, there's still some guess on that, but uh, he was also a key plot point in How I Met Your Mother because mm-hmm. one of his poems was a favorite poem of both uh, Bob Saget and the mother on Buzzinga. the show. Buzzinga. Ma- that is not the same show. <laughs> it uh, might as well be. I I know, I know they're different. I know one's way better. Uh, but I do have a selection of Pablo Neruda, a poem of his, Ooh. read by Glenn Close. I like for you to be still. It is as though you were absent. And you hear me from far away, and my voice does not touch you. It seems as though your eyes had flown away, and it seems that a kiss had sealed your mouth. As all things are filled with my soul, you emerge from the things filled with my soul. You are like my soul, a butterfly of dream. And you are like the word melancholy. Too high brow. Of all the complaints we've gotten on any podcast ever, I think the most is going to come from playing a poem. That was that was Jessica Lovejoy, right? Yeah, it had you the know music what? from Amelie in the background. It I did? love that soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, well, yeah, my parents' screensaver as the visuals. Yeah. <laughs> all of Naruto's work, like, it was translated into English. That is not Even the, the sexy ninjutsu? That's my last Naruto joke. <laughs> last one. I don't have any more references. I'm out uh, too. But yeah, so that that's who he is. He won uh, he died in 73, I believe. Yeah, murdered was. by the Pinochet regime. Yep, mm-hmm. likely. Like who's to who knows for the sure. The sound of it from the sound of it, they're like oh, yeah. the Chilean government was like, yeah, he was probably murdered. Well, or... I don't think Pinochet would do anything wrong. He was supported by America. Like so I don't really see <laughs> like all the best dictators. Yeah, all the best dictators are supported by America and if they're going to take down communists, then they must have been good. Yeah. You know, omelets breaking eggs. You know how it works. <laughs> yeah, I think this episode shows another of Oakley Weinstein's early favoritism towards some characters, and Millhouse is one of them. Mm-hmm. And this is Millhouse coming into his own for sure. Oh. And this is like extra smart Millhouse here. If the Ayatollah can't have it, no one can. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, Millhouse. Yeah? Maybe getting tired of that soul, huh? No. Suppose someone wanted to buy it from you. Oh, you want to buy it back, Bart? Sure, no problem. Fifty bucks. What? Who's stupid now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, good laugh there. But an insane guffaw. So Millhouse going, yes. yes. Uh, that is an impression of Frank Nelson, who played characters on the Jack, Jack Benny, Benny program. And eventually they turned him into a Simpsons a, character yes. called Mr. Costington. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had a stroke. <laughs> so uh, here's, here's a compilation of yeses that eventually turns into the Simpsons compilation of yeses. So we can shut it off then. So here's Frank Nelson. <laughs> Quite the career out of saying that line. Yeah. Well, I think I think what you uh, like it started in radio 
and you didn't know exactly who that character would be, but he'd be the clerk at like every store. And if you mm-hmm. noticed in that clip, he's like lifting his head up, letting the audience know, surprise, it is me. He's gonna talk like this. Yeah, I'm on you this because even on TV, he'd be he'd be standing there for like minutes with his back turned to the camera. I mean, this I, time I'm bothering Flip Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know nothing about wrestling, but I thought it was preposterous. A wrestler had the catchphrase of "Yes," but now I realize <laughs> yes, it's totally yes, fine. Yes. <laughs> who is that guy, Henry? Tell me, Daniel Bryan. I thought so. Yes. Uh, yes. The, yes. Uh, it's so much fun. Yeah, it is fun. I also like it in that video. You can, you can see him aging and getting fake mustaches and, yeah. and uh, wigs on. But so I, uh, when Millhouse is playing his his uh, war games, mm-hmm. I just want to observe that he's about 15 years behind on American enemies at that time. Yes, oh, we, yes. Were, we were still at odds with Iran, but Iraq was the new hotness in 1995. Yeah. Like I think he's poor and has the discount patriotic toys. <laughs> and, 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 and just the, the, like I they didn't love... even have GI Joes. GI Joes were still a thing in 1995. Yeah, fighting kind of. robots instead of Ayatollahs. Yeah, and this is one of two instances in this episode in which someone remembers that Milhouse had a white piece of paper with him. As if that's, that's something you take note of. Like, yes, he did have a white piece but of paper with him. Without the backstory well, of like weird. <laughs> without the backstory of the commentary, which I heard years ago. This is the meanest Millhouse has ever been. Because mm-hmm. it's like, only him saying that they played up the value of the soul. It seems like Millhouse mm-hmm. knew Bart was coming and is playing up. I liked his who's stupid now. That yeah. kind of like, dead. he's like, see, he said I was stupid. <laughs> now who's yeah, stupid? Bart kind of chewed out Millhouse, so yeah. he's getting his comeuppance. It's, yeah, it's not so. a surprise also that if nerds are always in a position of like having, having to take it. Mm-hmm. So when they... Get put into a position of power, they tend to overplay their hand a little Ooh, bit. Are you describing yes, the yeah. last four years? Yeah. I, bet it, I bet if he had said ten bucks, Bart would have scrounged up the money. But instead, he said fifty bucks. There's mm. too many nerds out there who their response to being bullies was to yeah. become a worse bully. My <laughs> turn. That's not the that's not the lesson you're supposed to learn from being bullied. But I love his dorky, sinister laughter. Yeah. It's great. Yes. I think he got a taste of it. He got a taste of the power. I think these writers love writing for Millhouse more than Bart because they were Millhouse, not Bart. None of them were none of them were Bart as kids. Like Al Jean was certainly not Bart. Oh, as for a kid. sure. Like for he sure. was Millhouse. Mm. Uh, and this goes straight into the perfect commercial for a local eatery. Like I love it. <laughs> if you like good food, good fun, and a whole lot of crazy crap on the walls, then come on down to Uncle Mo's Family Feed Bag. At Mo's, we serve good old-fashioned home cooking, deep-fried to perfection. Now that's Mo like it. So bring the whole family, mom, dad, kids, and no old people. They're not covered by our insurance. It's fun. And remember our guarantee. If I'm not smiling when your check comes, your meal's on me, Uncle Mo. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Sounds good. I love the quote, crazy crap on the walls, because I had not been in these restaurants in 1995. Mm -hmm. Having been in them many times after this, it's like, yes, it's always the most generic Americana stuff. It's like, you need to have a lifesaver on the wall. Tricycle. The the Three Stooges playing golf, that photo. uh, (laughs) Albert Einstein with his tongue sticking out. Yes, exactly. And and like, go up and touch it next time you're there and like, Oh my god, this is plastic molded. Like this is this is just fake anyway. I remember yeah. the, the one that sticks out to me the most in recent memory was at the Red Robin mm. that uh, Chris and I would usually go to at our bottomless prize. You got it. That it had baseballs on the wall in the shape of the American flag. If you remember that, yeah, it made me proud to eat there. I was I was kind of curious because I remember these restaurants becoming a thing in the nineties, and mm. I was yeah. kind of like. 
is, is my memory wrong? So I went back and I looked at a whole bunch of them, and sure enough, a lot of them got started in like the seventies mm. oh, or th- or even the early eighties, yeah. and expanded wildly and became the restaurants we knew yeah. by the nineties. So this was mm-hmm. very much a new trend at the, this time. The nineties was the era of the Hard Rock Cafe and Planet Hollywood mm-hmm. and just like critical mm-hmm. mass for theme restaurants. Well, and also like before creating Beavis and Butthead, Mike Judge was working at one of these. Places. Oh, you're right. Like that's why uh, that's in the office in yeah. office. That's right. And now all these restaurants are dying because no one can afford to go out for a middle brow meal anymore. <laughs> no. Serious. It's like the death of Red Lobster. It's like I, families can't afford these meals. I went to one over the break and it's just like this I could have gone anywhere else for this amount of money and not feel this sick. Like, why would I do this to myself? I don't think it's just that they're too expensive. I think that the health kind of They're thing, gross. Yeah, yeah I mean, people like came to acknowledge, oh, oh yeah, these this is where you go if you want to be real fat. And they're also so tacky. And they, they legally made them put the calorie counts on the menus because yeah. they're yeah. so astronomical. They count as like 2.5 meals every so single thing you order. I feel like that's what you accept. If you're going to the Cheesecake Factory, mm-hmm. you know you're mm-hmm. going to eat there to be a fat turd. Oh, like, I would have looked at the ice skating rink at the Christmas tree once a year. That's and the only reason I go. As Mo showed us, almost everything is deep fried to cover up the low quality of the frozen <laughs> yeah, things yeah. they're serving you. I wince every time that guy bites the fried glass. Yeah. Like, Still hear the glass. <laughs> but uh, this is a very well observed like Bennigan's or TGI Friday's look though. Wes Archer was thinking like they could have done a better job. I'm like, you guys did a great job. Don't under... My, f- my favorite image from this episode is Marge looking at an alligator wearing sunglasses. <laughs> well, and Greg Daniels, I think, has a not-so-secret love of these chain restaurants because... Oh, yeah. Uh, on The Office, they oh, got yeah. Chili's to be the official... <laughs> place uh, he talks about uh, it on like, the commentary yeah, yeah. this he, was like pre-airing i think yeah he had just gone for the season two episode the dundies it all takes place in a chili's and chili's made them change the script a little bit because pam is supposed to get drunk there mm. but chili's was like we uh, it's our rule to never overserve alcohol she would <laughs> not get drunk they're like fine then we have to change this but yes but, yes no one's ever been drunk at a chili's certainly not tell it to my uncle <laughs> the chili's was a recurring place in the office but that was <laughs> the dundies episode was the most use of chili's and it was one of the best he all greg daniels also directed that episode so oh, he was, okay he was yeah. very in touch with chili's and that the shaking, smiling Moe's head is so creepy. He's twitching. Like, it's holding a smile legitimately hurts. <laughs> he can't do it. As as I said, he was the most pathetic man in Springfield. He can't be happy. He has to feign it. <laughs> we'll and, see what happens. And this will be the same smile that will be reused. They just draw it again oh, when Moe right. is on the Duff calendar in the season 11 episode Pig Molian. That is the same expression. Wow. In the episode where he gets a facelift and then a thing hits his face at the end that somehow changes his face back to being the same and they make a get, joke about it that's not the same as fixing a story <laughs> problem to just have mo speak to camera of like hey this is a plot hole boom the end like no that's a big problem with the <laughs> we'll get era to it. of the simpsons we'll get to it that they just accept like well if we just make a joke out of the fact we had a bad plot it's the they same. did it too much i Anyway, <laughs> uh, the, then we get to Bart's bedtime, which I think uh, Oakley Weinstein got a lot of work. They got a lot out of the kids' bedtime. They, yeah, they enjoyed yeah. little stuff. parent-child interactions. I like Marge mm-hmm. hugging him to figure out his uh, his anxieties. It's swim test yeah. anxiety. So is what is that? It's is, um. Is, I, I guess you have a, t- a test that involves swimming at school, where they, uh, okay. they test you your ability not to swim. Take swimming. 
The, no, not in school. What the fuck? School, no. I was almost a lifeguard, actually. Whoa! I am wow. a so I used to I take those. A, why, but not at school. So I, I, my parents, my parents always said, they're, my kids are going to learn two things. They're going to learn how to play an instrument, and they're going to learn how to swim for some reason. And so I took a lot of those summer swimming lessons at the local pool. And I just kept rising up the levels. But whenever we got to the swim test, I, I did feel swim test anxiety because, mm-hmm. I mean, you had to do the strokes in a very specific way. And if you fail, that's like the entire summer down the drain. Damn. Yeah, wow. it's harsh. Yeah, you get that butterfly stroke correctly, man, those abs. <laughs> those abs. I think the, the Simpsons really lost sight of this kind of like pleasurable mundanity of just like tucking the kids in for bed. Mm. They they mm. got they got too silly in other ways. Like it's a nice like lower key scene that they can still make jokes in. Mm. I do miss those. And I really love the the Bart's dream. I didn't get any clips from it because it's really visual. But Bart's dream of mm-hmm. all of his friends with their souls and him yeah. feeling left out. Like it's kind of a. <laughs> it feels like how I as a kid would have dreamed of hell of just like in my or purgatory of just like in school terms of it. I appreciate how gay Martin is in this. Uh, by <laughs> yes, the way. I yeah. choose Martin. Oh boy, I choose uh, Martin. I like Sherry and Terry as the kind of very creepy, shining ass yeah. twins. Yeah, in this. they get to be quadruplets in this. I yes. love that. And that this episode, I swear, Sherry and Terry have not had this many lines in like oh my five gosh. years. They like it's, they rediscovered Sherry and Terry in this episode. It's, it's a great sequence. It's visually inventive. Yeah, and it's beautiful. You, and it really drives home the point because you see everybody rowing toward kind of an Emerald City Is type that thing. Oz? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it looks sort like, of like Emerald yeah. City. Yeah, but and that it represents purgatory to me of Bart just the rowing, rowing in, play, in circles. circle place he can't get out. I mean, that's yeah. kind of like hell, right? Where you can't get out mm-hmm. and you can only kind of do the same action over and, and over again. trapped forever. It's terrifying. And then, again, in reused animation stuff, I double-checked this on Frankiac. They removed a couple frames... But Bart's jump up to scream is his exact scream okay. from Treehouse of Heart 2. I was wondering that. It is. God. Bill Oakley, Oakley and Weinstein love season three so much they put part of it in season seven. <laughs> <laughs> At least a few frames of it. The uh, music, I'm, one last observation. The music mm. in the dream sequence is really good, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the music in this episode overall is excellent because there's some really good music uh, later on when he's kind of doing the chase for his soul or whatever. Though apparently Wes Archer wanted the souls to be like kind of transparent, not yeah. blue. They I think there was just a, a messaging yeah, He was error. annoyed by that. Yeah. <laughs> the Simpsons head to Uncle Elmo's family feedback and this this is a long clip but I, Ooh, I love it's all every good. an alligator with sunglasses <laughs> now I've seen everything hiya folks welcome to Uncle Moe's Oh, look at all the cute little miners oh that's Mo, the guy from the end right this way Hummer <gasps> and he knows my name street signs indoors <laughs> whatever now Rod you order anything you want for your big 10-0 Dollar birthday fries. Uh oh. Mike is so excited when you order his million dollar birthday fries, he just has to celebrate. Here you go, here I am, Uncle Mo. Thank you, ma'am. This'll be a treat. Uncle Mo, here I am while you eat. Please take the fries off my head, kid. The basket is extremely hot. 
<laughs> Bo is giving himself too much work to do. Not only is he like the manager, the 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 owner, he's waiting a lot doing of the books. Too. Yeah, he's also like a part time waiter when it's somebody's birthday. Well, he's mm. used to being the bartender and it's sole true. proprietor. Yeah. He's not used to having actual waiters. And he has to give everyone their check because he has to be there to smile mm. at them. Oh, mm. that's true, man. Like, Mo knows get... how hateful he is. <laughs> he should not have set himself up. Yeah. Yeah, Mo's working too hard. For yeah. Mo. It, it, it almost is too much ambition for Mo. Yeah, but. I love Marge's wholesome reactions <laughs> to the stuff on the walls. It like is that. A, it, it was made for moms to go like, yeah. oh, how zany. It is a mean, kind of a mean joke, but it's very observational. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, no, in the I've early 90s, anything. it was kind of quirky. Yeah. And yeah. people living in the suburbs, uh, apologies to people living in the mm. suburbs, might have been going, oh, that's, that's kind of fun. Yeah. I guess it is a joke in like yeah. how Marge is so lame that she thinks this easy stuff is funny. But now you know, it just makes me feel like, I don't know. I love my mom, and she'd have sweet reactions. It, like it that. feels like a very King of the Hill joke, actually, with Greg yeah. Daniels on board, because it's about a very middle American family being excited by something that's very boring. Peggy and would not have that exact yeah. same reaction. I mean, we saw yeah. Peggy's theme restaurant when she that's took over Sugarfoots. Oh my god! Yeah, look forward to talking King of the Hill soon. I mean, Peggy Sugarfoots. I remember being like twelve, and I, I, I was just ragging on suburban nights. I grew up in a suburb, and I remember thinking, "Oh, that's pretty funny. Look at all those signs." So mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I had that same reaction as a little kid, and then yeah. I, then I. I think this joke taught me like no cool mm-hmm. it's cool to not like this yeah. and think it's dumb then my soul ossified and i hated everything <laughs> yeah, and there's no difference between that place and my room except that everything i has has a license attached to it <laughs> and, uh, and and did anybody try re- their damnedest to see what was written on the wall i the could menu not items? like too oh. low res i, I got one it. and it's awesome ranch thingy thingies oh great <laughs> they probably spent five hours writing that joke yes. and it is lost yeah in the uh, you just cannot see it <laughs> yeah and this joke uh, officially makes Rod the same age as Bart. You could maybe yeah. read Rod is older than Bart because he's drawn taller, but Rod is ten. Oh, just and, the and same as Bart for some... or ten o, which would make him a hundred. <laughs> the, the scene astonishingly is commonly shit posted and Simpson mm-hmm. memefied. This whole scene with Uncle Mo or Mo with the basket of fries on his yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sort of shocked by it. it. Like gets more play than Pogs. <laughs> like this scene. no it should not mm-hmm. like i i love million dollar birthday fries yes it's great marketing on mo's part to be like well i'll do this song and dance but they're called million dollar because they're probably like 50 bucks for french fries it's it's classic like bennigan's markup on yeah. bullshit and you don't want to eat fries off an old man's head i don't understand the <laughs> yes, appeal it's true. i don't think that's very hygienic well, looking back i feel bad for the waiters who always had to come out and do their stupid little birthday yeah. song because they'd always do the they had to clap all together, and they had their little song, and I'm mm-hmm. sure they sang it like every single night. That's why when I hear it, Fridays, we like to say to you. Whoa. Oh my God, you actually know the no, song? I, not really. The, the copyright free TGI Fridays <laughs> birthday song. Well, what was? Oh my God, the, the actually an even better gag on chain restaurants is in the Upright Citizens Brigade. There's a whole episode about chain restaurants. Yeah. That is my has my favorite sketch of all time. It is the guy interviewing and to going work through at basically. all of the steps in order. It's like. I'm gonna get ice. Oh, you're just gonna you're just gonna make ice levitate using my hands. I will get <laughs> you're ice. Just gonna put your hands. Into yeah. The thing. So well, how many pieces of ice? Exactly. The, like that level of granularity and explaining a task. I'm uh, sorry. Please. I, I applied to several restaurant jobs, and that's how they. You ever dealt with a ten top? What's a ten top? <laughs> ten tables. 
Like, dude, you carry shit and do light math. You need to relax. Yeah. Like, you are not cooking any of this. Can you shit. handle it, Chris? Can you can, handle it? Yeah, I can write down someone's order and bring them food. Jesus Christ. I'm sure you're very good at your job, waiters. I think the episode is called Invaded by Friars. And that uh, restaurant yes, was yeah. the Rainforest Cafe. Oh, my God. Three oh my interviews. God. Didn't get the job. That's serious. <laughs> That's serious. Uh, so, you got to be on brand at all times, Chris. What? I could dress up like a gorilla? Mm-hmm. Now, as a kid, I definitely would have ordered Southwestern pizza. I want them now so bad. How are the Southwestern pizza fingers? Uh, they're um, huh. awesomely outrageous. Oh, these look good. Guilt-free steak fish fillets. Nah, nah, let me level with you, Marge. That's just our name for bottom-feeding suction eel. You don't want that. Why don't you try Moe's Hobo Chicken Chili? I start with the best part, the neck. And then I add secret hobo spices. Ooh, tray bien. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, uh, what the hell are you doing, you little freak? <laughs> oh, sorry, kid, sorry. I'm not used to the laughter of children. It cuts through me like a dentist drill. But no, no, that was funny. That was funny. You're taking away my dignity like that. <laughs> so weird that Wiggum doesn't get a line there. He's just sitting yeah. there in the background. But that Marge saying Trey Bien is a callback to Marge from The Way We Was, where she was uh, you know, tutoring Homer in French. Uh, oh. Yeah, it's true. She yeah, is Trey a French Bien. expert. She throws it out there every now and then. I don't know if they've gone to Paris on the show, but they should go somewhere where both Marge and Bart speak French fluently. Oh, yeah. Bart is like, fluent in French. He probably lost it by now. I would think he's forgotten, yes. But the, I, yeah, it feels like Wiggum should have a line there. I think they only had Wiggum there because he, you need to know he's Ralph's father for a later scene. Yeah. As well. Yeah. And uh, also, I, I forgot to mention it in the Million Dollar Birthday Fries, mm-hmm. but. That buzzer is the same buzzer for Krusty's secret word in the wolf episode. <laughs> like, loud! That's our secret word of the day! It's the perfect, just jarring Rare. buzzer noise. Yeah. <laughs> then I also love when the episode has the A and B plots smashed together like this. Yes. This is beautiful. I would like to say grace. <clears throat> Lord have mercy on my soul. And mom's soul, and dad's soul, and Maggie's soul, and let every soul in Christendom. Bart! I can't take this anymore! I want my soul, and I want it now! Bart, you didn't finish your spaghetti and mobiles! Silence, you fool. It can be ours. Run, boy! Run! Run for your life! <laughs> I mean, okay, so we just had we just had the the neglectorinos episode, right? Yes. This episode proves that Homer and Marge are neglectful parents because Bart runs away at night from Moe's yeah. and gone is gone, all night. gone until the morning because he sleeps outside of the uh, Android's dungeon. Yeah, many scenes later, he does not return. And this is at, in the next episode. They'll just let Lisa run away as yeah, well. That's true. So, yeah, I think you know, Child Protective Services I was right. Remember thinking, well, I mean, I was left alone to go and do whatever mm-hmm. a lot growing up. Not all night. In a way that, not all night. Not all night. If no. I ran out of Applebee's, my parents would not just go like, eh, <laughs> He'll whatever. be back. Yeah, but when parents, now my friends or parents leave their five-year-old for like 10 minutes, they have to have a babysitter. I just can't imagine people leaving their kids right around their town mm-hmm. at this point alone. Yeah, things have changed a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, I used to go all over the place yeah. with my bike and everything. Yeah. So, yeah. As far I as love, I could go. I love spaghetti and mobiles. <laughs> now it sounds a lot more disgusting. Better, than it's the joke is prefer spapeggy and meatballs. Mm-hmm. Spaghe- Again, back to King of the Hill. <laughs> In my opinion, <laughs> boil uh, spapeggy. I love, God damn, I love spapeggy. Uh, so, and that's another great act break. 
So the third act is so fucking weird, including yes. the opening with the spaceman. Like it's like a psychedelic '60s movie of the spaceman coming it's out of reference the door. To no, it's an ET reference. Yeah, I yeah. thought so. Okay. That's an ET, which is great because it's something I didn't pick up on for my, years. My first thought was Back to the Future because he kind of looks like he's got the radiation suit on. He's got the it's, deep voice. That whole the, emerging from the front door high. thing is definitely it ET, is because yeah. other than the mother in ET, you do not see an adult for the entire film. Mm-hmm. And Peter Coyote, or Peter Coyote, eventually talks, but you see him by his keys for the first like eighty minutes. So the first time that you see like Elliot sees adult figures, they're in the NASA costumes, looking mm-hmm. down. It's a very specific scene, and everything he says is not specific at all. And it's great that he goes from the one you call Milhouse to yes. Bronson voice <laughs> that he yeah. is Bronson, yes. and he remembers that Milhouse had a piece of paper with him. Yeah. You wouldn't forget a thing like that. I <laughs> thought no, I thought he was goofing on him I thought well it's hard to I always heard I, it as sarcastic it was like oh yeah you never forget a thing like I that I mean number like, one he always sounds sarcastic but number two this is the second <laughs> occurrence of this joke in which uh, Luann Van Houten remembers and he remembers just for yeah. the sake of so Bart can know where to go next but it's, it's also it's funny it is funny yeah so though I have a theory about the editing of this episode that I think the Millhouse house scene was originally before their trip to the restaurant, but they wanted the act mm. break. They didn't want it to go before the act break because it's a daytime scene. It, yeah, it's a daytime Weird. scene, and okay. it makes much more sense for Bart to mm-hmm. run out of Moe's and then be on Third Street and run all the way to Two Hundred and whatever Street. But instead, he runs from Moe's to Millhouse and then back to downtown where Moe's is. For his weird night when he left Moe's at night. Yeah, so, there are a lot of weird time issues that will come up much later, though. Most place closes down in one evening. Yeah. Like in, in two hours, Moe's <laughs> place is gone. Yeah, Homer seemingly seemingly there at three in the morning. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Uh, but anyway, yes. So then Sherry and Terry again. I think this is the first time they've ever... Them being twins actually mattered for like a joke, like mm-hmm. a plot point. Here you go. Here I am. Uncle Mo. Thank you, ma'am. This will be a treat. Uncle Mo. Here I am. While you eat. Yay! Now do it for Terry. What? It's your birthday, too? We're twins. Here you go. Here I am. Eat your fries. Eat them. (laughs) Here's you. Jeez. And you got the stink lines and everything. (laughs) Oh, dude. You did not smile. We eat for free. Come on, show Shauna, let's roll. <laughs> but I sang you the potato stuffings. Come on, I sang you the potato stuffings. Look at the vein on that guy's forehead. He's gonna blow. Uncle Mo? <laughs> what is it, sweetheart? My sodi is too cold. My teeth hurt. Oh, your teeth hurt, huh? Your teeth hurt? Well, that's too freaking bad. You hear me? I'll tell you where you can put your freaking sodi, too. <gasps> oh, my Let's go, dear. Well, I expect that type of language at Denny's, but not here. Come on, folks, wait. Please, come back. Please, I got a new offer. Whenever Uncle Mo threatens you, you get a free steak fish. (laughs) Steak fish. Never got that until this viewing. So much to go over. So number one, Shoshana was yep. the name and still is of the name of uh, Jerry Seinfeld's teenage girlfriend. Uh, mm-hmm. He started dating her when I think he was like 35 and she was 17, so he's a yep. cool guy. Yeah, what, Think of that uh, when you watch Seinfeld. It will ruin it. It's really weird <laughs> that that happened and nobody really talked about it. They were then. like, he's like, silly. It's a smaller world and it wasn't for very long. He yeah. was too busy stealing his friend's wife. <laughs> he dated her for four years. Oh, he did? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hollywood comedians and teenagers. Oh, all right. Well, and also though, she was... Oh, hello. 
I, I looked into her too. I was like, wow, she started her own fashion business. That's cool. Oh, she's a rich kid. Like, it's like hmm. she started her own business after a loan from her father, the CEO of <laughs> Infocom's. Oh, boy. It's not just any 17 year old that gets in Jerry Seinfeld's well, orbit. That's true. Yeah, obviously, it's going to be a rich kid who Jerry Seinfeld would meet. Somewhere yeah. in the Hamptons. <laughs> so, second thing I want to say is She'll that we shovel. have our second doppelganger in this episode. So, the first one was we have two Theos. This is Samantha Stanky without braces. I looked at the designs. Oh, that's who she was. It's okay. like it's wow. like the, the the smoke to uh, Samantha Stanky's like scorpion or whatever. It's like <laughs> she's a different palette with no braces, but it is the same design. Wow, they pulled Samantha Stanky for this I, one. Yeah, yeah. Bart's Bart's uh, friend falls in love, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. season three, three uh, late in season three episode. I love the animation on Moe's second song. Like, eat your fries, eat them. And the uh, they had the Uncle Moe's theme in a minor key. Yes, that during was his freakout, as the buzzer is going off, that he's going to have to sing the song again. They play <laughs> only hearing it in audio just now. Did I notice? Me like, too. Oh, that was the that was the Mo song. That was his commercial song. So, do you want to talk about Denny's? Well, it's also random to see Krusty and Barney hanging out. Yeah, together. yeah. they they rarely share scenes together. <laughs> that is true. Krusty should not be there. And for the second episode in a row, there's a joke about uh, Todd being very impressionable. Like that that's he, right. If he mm. hears something. Or or sees something, he will repeat it. I don't want any damn vegetables. How <laughs> <laughs> my, my freaking ears is actually one of my favorite lines. It's my <laughs> yeah. personal line of the episode in this yeah. one. I, I did like the knock against Denny's, but uh, yeah. was this based on something? Based uh, on a class yes. action lawsuit. So from Wikipedia, oh. uh, in 1994, Denny settled a class action lawsuit followed by black customers mm-hmm. who had been refused service, forced to wait longer, oh. or pay more than white customers. Mm-hmm. The $54.4 million settlement was the largest to date under federal public Accommodations laws established 30 years earlier. This is a huge deal. It was huge enough to, like, you didn't just have to know about it. If you ate at Denny's, they had to have a disclaimer inside of their menu. There was a sign on the door. Wow. Yep. Yeah. In wow. the menu, they talk about we will not racially discriminate against was this anybody. across the country? Or was this I yes, mean, this definitely in Florida. If it happened to me and Bob. Wow. Let's see if we can triangulate it, commenters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I do remember that lawsuit because I think I saw somebody make fun of Denny's when they... They had, I think, the Denny's account had some tweet on like a civil rights holiday, and people were like, you know, you were sued That's for right. hating black people. Mm-hmm. Uh, people no, forgot hey, about I'm that. Sure they're yeah. not racist anymore. They learned a lesson and they lost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. We're expecting a lot from a restaurant that started from a place called Sambo's. No. Oh no! <laughs> uh, so then we get to another very visual gag of Bart looking for the street he's going to be on. He has to go over 200 blocks. I love the little animation of him going over the map, yeah. and you can see it on the other side. It's little touches like that they don't do anymore. They really can't do it anymore, and but the, the street cleaner joke is so yes, good. Yes, the street cleaner joke is great. Actually, so Bob and I were not very nice to the video Fall of the Simpsons on our community thing. If, you, if you've if you seen it, the uh, YouTuber Super Eyepatch Wolf did a video called Fall of the Simpsons, which Bob and I didn't completely yeah, agree with. His other videos are really good, I though. fucking love yeah. it. I feel bad now because I hadn't seen Super Eyepatch Wolf stuff at the time. Now I've watched all of his videos, and I lo- like his anime stuff is great. It's really good. Uh, but and in his Fall of the Simpsons videos, though, he says this street cleaner joke is one of his favorites okay. ever because it's so dense he says it's really five jokes in one like mm-hmm. it's bart is trapped on a long street his bike is destroyed intentionally by a crazy street cleaner 
Then his bike is seemingly not fine. Better and than ever. falls apart when he gets on it. And then the street cleaner just maniacally laughs for no reason. Yes. And then intentionally, seemingly, crashes his cleaner in in a uh, The first a train appearance station. of uh, the Springfield subway. Yes. yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, all of a sudden, yeah, it was all of a sudden Bart's in New York or something. <laughs> yes. Somebody yeah. was speculating that it was a riff on something from Orphan Andy. Orphan Annie, where mm. they were the orphans were all racing toward a... From like Third Street to like 550th mm. Street or something yeah, like that. Huh. So I think Wes Archer uh, calls out the Scorsese movie Night Night Shift or Night Hours or mm. the, Night the Hours. 80s. The one the few I've never seen. It's really good. It was one of his 80s ones. That, yeah, like, I'm less clear on his 80s stuff. I looked at Chris and he looked at me as if he didn't know. Chris, I thought you liked the know. Man. I, uh, it was it was like post uh, King of Comedy. I think that was the movie he made after. It was like 85. I really love so. that movie. Night, Low time night Shift, for... Night Hours, Night Something. It's good. Yeah, yeah, there's no De Niro in it, so that's why I wouldn't have watched it. I watched all the De Niro ones and then I did some cleanup afterwards. The Cheech and Chong are in it in their only good movie appearance probably. <laughs> uh, though yeah, Bart could have taken the subway though perhaps he had no money yeah. or maybe it was so late the subway had stopped Why did they need a monorail yeah, he they ran a subway? Out, he ran yeah, out the door with no money. I didn't carry money when I was 10 years old. Though I did like the gag of the first time I noticed that it was the Third Street station because Bart is on oh, Third yeah. Street. So very, very extra bit of continuity there. Detail oriented. Actually though the money thing you mentioned Kat that that is actually a really good plot point in this episode that, like, multiple times Bart's like, well, I don't have five bucks, or I just got five bucks. Lisa wants five bucks. The limited funds of the kids is really key to this episode, I think. I, I like that a lot. So, Wiggum does some police work, which I, I really just love Dan in this scene. It's really great. All improvised. Just be say, I know you and your wife and every part of you. Son, you wait here while Daddy tries to talk some sense into this raven derelict. <laughs> Hi, Bart. I know you from school. Yes. A simple proposition, Ralph. How would you like to make a dollar? All you have to do is sign a paper that says, I can have your soul. I need a soul, Ralph. Any soul. Yours. <laughs> hey, what's going on over there? <laughs> it disappears in the sewer With the mist. cat eyes. Yeah. yeah. I got to say, uh, living in the Bay Area, there's been a strong uptick in that kind of homeless person yeah. lately. Just like, everyone is talking to themselves around yeah. me. I had yeah. an Loudly. experience with that just yesterday. Oh, really? But it was actually a surprisingly positive one because I was having lunch with my friend. Shout out to Mara. And we had somebody come in and start raving right behind us at the mm. table. And she said, would you like lunch? And he was Aww. like, and he stopped and he goes, yes. <laughs> and he bought, she bought her, she bought him lunch and he proceeded to tell her how amazing she was and how nice she was and how beautiful she was. Okay. And then he was ushered out eventually. It's but good strategy. Yeah. yeah. At least he got a meal. That's nice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I just love that Wiggum, Wiggum, who is a terrible cop who usually cares about nobody, he's He's humoring a homeless man for really no reason. Yeah. He's just like, well, i got to talk some sense into him. I've noticed that cops often do that, mm-hmm. but it's not mm-hmm. a humoring. It's actually kind of looking down on them and being like, oh, it's oh, it's this guy. Got to know all the... We get to know all the homeless people. And what? What? Yeah, yeah. You're, the people are controlling your thoughts. I, okay. I think Wiggum is setting out an impossible task, which is why yeah. it's funny. It's just like, I'll talk yeah. some sense into this person with <laughs> clear like a mental illness yes. or brain damage or something. One of the scariest things I've seen a cop do in San Francisco, which this is low on cops. Uh, mm-hmm. horrors but mm-hmm. it was it was chris you were there we were leaving 
Uh, that theater that we saw the very bad Burt Reynolds film in the... Uh, no, not Oh, the, the Red Vic. Yes. Yeah, the Red Vic. We leave in the Red Vic, and there was a homeless guy crossing... It was late at night, homeless guy crossing the street with his shopping cart, but he's kind of going too slow and also kind of going in circles. Then a cop car comes up and stops in the middle of the intersection. A cop gets out, and instead of like being... I thought, like, oh, the cop's going to walk him away... He yells and shoves him Ugh. to the ground. He's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, it was, it was terrifying. Oh, I gotta I say, I pass several tent cities every day now, and mm-hmm. America's not really working out the way we planned. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's they live, but reality. Yeah. It's also the movie part- was After Hours. Oh, yeah, After Martin Hours. Scorsese, Thank yes. you. Uh, excellent movie. Please watch it. it. Chris, you have to watch it. it. Tonight, baby. How have I seen a movie you haven't? <laughs> I don't know. I've seen uh, almost all the Best Picture nominees. <laughs> mm. uh, Bart is legit scary with Ralph, by the way. Too. Yes. Yeah, I love yeah, his cat very eyes. very creepy. Mm. And his, his cry is repeated almost verbatim. <laughs> Oh, that's true. Oh, it's yeah, Ralph Christ from twice. The, it's reused from early in the episode. Mm-hmm. Wow, man. Uh, well, so we go back to Moe's for one last thing, which... Uh, yeah, so in the time Bart yes. leaves, Moe has already converted his bar mostly back to Moe's, and Homer is still there. <laughs> yes, it's Pres- true. Presumably Marge went looking for Bart. Gotta take it all. Get it all out of here. You know, Moe, you might want to keep the fire extinguishers. Nah, too many bad memories. <laughs> well, look at the bright side, Moe. You still got us. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you know, that that actually makes me feel a little better. Why? That was a problem in the first place. You were going broke because we were your only customers. Wasn't that the problem in the first place? That you were going broke? (laughs) Mo? Mo? (laughs) Hey, Mo? Oh, you're thinking about all the money you blew, aren't you? What was it? Fifty? Sixty thousand dollars? Mo? Look. Maybe it would help if you went over all the mistakes you made from the beginning. Mo? What? Let me get a pad. <laughs> I love that it's just one shot. It's just one yeah. camera angle, and Mo just sulking. His head is down, and he's sulking. <laughs> it only cost 50 yeah. grand to start a restaurant in 1995. That's mm. not too bad, yeah. honestly. Well, to completely convert yeah. his. Convert- not only that, but he hired a waiter. He yeah. was he hired somebody. He bought a giant fr- Deep flash fryer. fryer. Mm. He, he bought ad time. He completely remodeled <laughs> the, the restaurant. I mean, hired grand. a whole new staff, got mm. new outfits, too. Yep. And uh, and all that crazy crap on the walls could not have been cheap. No. Nope. But, uh, but it was still an old installation. Like, Actually, so he was and he had to pay place. the people to get it all out of there. I yeah. forgot. I want to steer people to something that I wrote for something awful. It's an article called Wall Garbage Warehouse. And it's about a, a retailer that sells things you put on on your uh, walls and your theme restaurants. Oh, wow. Yeah, so please look that up. I, I'm I'm funny. I've I've heard. I also do love that that scene. Perfectly undercuts the typical like sweet sitcom storytelling. Yeah, because just like hey, you still got us, and Homer's like, no, that's the whole problem. You've only had us, and you're running out of money. It would have been worse if Homer was the one who convinced Mo to change the bar. Uh, that's that's true. one thing they didn't do. Yeah, but well, because Homer loved the dank, he and couldn't he couldn't dang. be against. The Dang, the dang. And this is one of several episodes in which Moe's bar will change or be redesigned. <laughs> it's, it's a true. it's a recurring uh, plot idea. It's a very malleable place. Yeah. Wasn't so, it completely redesigned in Flaming Moe's? Yep, it got yeah. changed up for oh, that it's too. Before. Yeah. 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 Maybe he maybe that fifty thousand dollars came from his nest egg of uh of Flaming Moe's money. I think oh. in Flaming Moe's Moe built a second story because Homer's up in the rafters when Aerosmith is yeah, playing, that's which true. is weird. Yeah. It's a great episode. I'm I'm not looking to uh, pick nits here. So you know what it's weird that Milhouse's grandma never I checked on the wiki, she's never made another speaking appearance on the show since this one. Like hmm. she is kind of just like diet Agnes, I yeah. suppose. And a she more looks boring. just like 
like uh, Milhouse's parents. Too. Yeah, it's a great visual. She joke. could be either one of the in-laws. Like she could be but the mother of either of them. Kirk's relationship with her suggests some something oh, horrific. Yeah. If that's his mother, why would you talk to your mother like that? Why would you talk to your mother-in-law like that? Yeah, yeah. another glimpse into Milhouse's somewhat <laughs> terrifying home life. Yeah. Well, also, well, shut the, up, shut up. <laughs> if the grandmother is Kirk's mom, then he married a woman who looked exactly like his mother, like one hundred percent the same. Oh but... man, this is getting creepy. <laughs> Caller at this hour, you dial nine one. Then when I say so, dial one again. Millhouse, please. Bart, I can't play now. It's two a.m. Millhouse, I gotta have my soul back. I'll do anything you want. Uh... Well... Uh, Millhouse, give him back his soul. I've got work tomorrow. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I kind of traded your soul to the guy at the comic book store. But look, I got some cool pogs. Elf pogs. Remember Elf? He's back <laughs> in pog form. You traded my soul for pogs? No! Close that door. You're letting the heat out. Shut up, shut up, shut up. I do like Milhouse saying elf. I elf. gotta give that line to the episode there. <laughs> That's the joke. That Bart's outrage. You traded my soul elf for pods. Yeah, <laughs> elf pods. Yeah, like, they're back. These. Yeah. He's back. We were firmly in pod craziness in 1995. The one year of pods. Yeah. yeah, I was so I was into pods quite were a bit. You? Like, yeah, not, my brother was into them more, but. I had a little pog collection. I like collecting lots of garbage. I remember the giant... People had, like, closets full of those things. Ugh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, I had Spidey old. Pogs. I didn't have any Simpsons Pogs. I still don't really understand and it. every magazine was giving them away. Nintendo Power was mm. giving them away. It was an easy item to make. It was like a, a flat disc yep. made it, of cardboard. Well, yeah, you just, shove, you just shove a thing of cardboard, and then you put little circles in it. And you put that in like, your magazine. You like so many fads to follow it was banned from schools because yep. kids were getting into fights and pogs were gambling. being stolen and yeah. gambling. I, I feel like this was uh, the the writer saying pogs are going away in like six months <laughs> and. <laughs> They were just having a little. They were goofing on it by putting Alf, who of course was from the eighties. Yeah, in he's back. Five Alf nostalgia was the stupidest thing. Yeah, yes, like, yeah. who it's, cares about Alf? Let's be honest, still pretty freaking stupid. It's awesome. Yeah. No. Is there an Alf calendar back there? I don't want to turn around. Indeed. Is it still there? Yes, okay. yeah, it's absolutely so. still there from nineteen eighty nine. This episode reminds me of Round Springfield in that not only is there a Pog reference, the the plot is resolved by one of the Simpson characters buying an item from Comic Book Guy for the other person oh, for the right. other sibling. It's the exact same yeah. ending. Yeah, but. I think Alf Pogs is one of the greatest gifts the Simpsons has Elf. given. <laughs> Pop culture commentators, at least, because yeah, yeah. it is a perfect encapsulation of the unwanted return of an unpopular thing in a silly new medium. Like, yeah. any time, oh, if a TV a show fucking... comes back as a video game, if a video game comes back as a phone app... Or, like, if... a Heathcliff app. Yeah, <laughs> all that stuff. You're like, you, you can all, it's so easy to say, the, he's back in Pog form. The saddest thing is... I. Walking through the mall, we cut through to come to Chris's place to record. There's an entire wall taken up by an interactive, like peanuts version of Candy Crush. It's like, oh, is this where yeah. these characters are now? Whoa! Well, yes. because there's like too many empty shops now. Yeah, you can still mall, go by the so. fucking Zynga building a couple blocks away from here. Mm. Zynga, the mobile app developer, on their sign glowing. It's like words with friends too. Wizard of Oz slots, and it's just <laughs> Meredith. It's like the Wicked Witch of the West from 1939's face on it. Like this I, is your biggest new thing. I feel bad for saying this because a friend of mine works for them, mm-hmm. but Jam City has a random Snoopy game. Jam uh, City. Yeah. That they managed to turn in, they managed to get into like the 
top 50 like most popular mobile games. I gotta know what this is. Is the puzzle game I'm talking about? But that you just take a recognizable property, even if it's old, Mm. and you attach it to a game, and people go like, "I know what that is. I'll play that." My mom doesn't have to read the description. I'll put money into it. (laughs) Ding ding ding. Well, I don't know if there's been an Elf app that really works. But I just realized I I make the podcast version of Elf Pogs. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Whoa, (laughs) you're not allowed to agree with me on that. The sentence is still here, though. It hasn't gone away. I really just meant Retronauts. That'd be like, Snoopy Pop. <laughs> this looks adorable. We talked for an hour about <laughs> Animaniacs games recently. so That that's, was a lot of yeah. fun. I, I enjoyed that. But, uh, oh, God. Okay, so my only issue with Comic Book Guy in this episode is that he should know who Bart Simpson is by name by now. Yeah. Like, he later will. Actually, he'll Maybe even that's be that's why like, he valued the soul. That, well, later he won't take a check from him. I also think he didn't really want to buy a soul, but he had a bunch of elf pogs he wanted to offload and uh, yeah. throw them there away. It was probably right next to the Hamburglar adventure. Ooh, the answer is fries. If you are waiting for the high and lowest signing, it has been moved to the Springfield Coliseum. Please, you have something of mine on a little piece of paper. Oh, so you're Bart Simpson, eh? Well, since my breakfast burrito is congealing rapidly, I will be blunt. You're too late. I sold your soul last night. Yes, yes. I found a buyer right away for that item. Cool. I am not at liberty to divulge the party, but they were most interested in having possession of little boy's soul. Uh, um, excuse me, no banging your head on the display case, please. It contains a very rare Mary Worth, in which she has advised a friend to commit suicide. Thank you. So he not only sells the Mary Worth phone, he yeah. also sells rare, rare Mary Worth uh, unprintable comics. So he really loves Mary Worth. It's just a funny, it's like one of the funniest, but like, I'm sure it's fine, but it's inexplicable how Mary Worth has existed for yeah. He loves yeah. comic strips from the 1930s. Any of this. Yeah. And it's a funny joke that like the high and lowest convention is so popular that yeah. it had to be moved to a stadium. Well, I also yeah. love that he's a big high and lowest fan, oh. too. The yeah. same, like, are you the creator of high and lowest? Because you're making me laugh. <laughs> yes. Uh, created oh, by... Comic book, guy, comic book guy is a huge comic strip fan. I well, am a big comic strip fan. I yeah. love them, but they're irredeemable and hard to defend. <laughs> and I did I doing research on High and Lois for this. It was a comic that I liked. I had no idea. They're both done by uh, Beetle Bailey and High and it's Lois. Beetle Bailey's sister it is Lois. Lois is Beetle Bailey's sister. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, the Walker verse. I knew what a lot fuck? about the Walkerverse. Yes, yeah. yeah. I oh. read several. Well, it was. Also- you want to talk nepotism? Go through the comics page and look at something that's existed <laughs> yes. for ninety years with no fans, and now it's written by two children of the person who hey, created are it. Hagar the horrible. Yes. Well, you know the weirdest thing with Mort Walker in reading his in his collections, which would be the only books I take out of the library as a kid, <laughs> uh, but is. When I came to realize, like, whoa, he got real horny. Like, he, <laughs> they, especially in Beetle Bailey, he introduced a sexy oh, the si- secretary. Uh, secretary. Oh, who you're right. Would just give the old general a boner all the time. Yeah. Like, he got, these name? cartoonists, they get too horned up, man. They got, we need to get saltpeter to these cartoonists. <laughs> Recently, I, I found out through Twitter that uh, the <laughs> author of the Berenstain Bears, I think they're both deceased now, Stan and Jan Berenstain, before that book, they wrote a bunch of, like, sexy jokes. Joke, uh, like comic books oh it's sort of like, like almost those, like playboy yeah. comics or whatever and the playboy it, comics yeah <laughs> still can't accept that pronunciation it's Baron, very hard for Baron me stain it's very hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> i hate this alternate universe i'm stuck in yes <laughs> i want to be in the the, the simbad shazam universe <laughs> <laughs> uh so then we get a very sweet ending that i think kind of plays fast and loose about like is there god is there not who's to say are you there god it's me, Bart Simpson. I know I never paid too much attention in church, but I could really use some of that good stuff now. 
I'm afraid. I'm afraid some weirdo's got my soul and I don't know what they're doing to it. I just want it back. Please? I hope you can hear this. Lisa, you bought this? With the change in my piggy bank. There's no change in your piggy bank. Not in any of the ones you know about. Please, thank you. Happy to do it. But you know, Bart, some philosophers believe that nobody is born with a soul, that you have to earn one through suffering and thought and prayer, like you did last night. Uh huh. <laughs> I like the bit of uncomfortableness when he's like trying to swallow the paper. There's like mm. a bit of like a choking thing going on. But yeah, are you, are, are you there, God? It's me. Bart is a parody of Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. The 1970 Judy Bloom book. I prefer Super Fudge. Yes. <laughs> no, Jelly Belly, the one set in Fat. Camp. Actually, I didn't read any of that crap. I read Ramona and her mother and all that garbage. Hmm. I read sure a few, Yeah, fine. I read the Ramona ones. Yeah. I didn't read the those indeed in the cupboard of GTFO. Don't want to hear it. <laughs> Don't want to hear it. I remember one of the Ramona books that her dad lost his job. Yeah, caused a lot of pain, and then their cat died in another one. Nothing Aww. but tragedy. <laughs> I liked how and, philosophical uh, I liked how philosophical Lisa is in this one, she and, is. and it really fits with her character because she's a very smart and thoughtful individual. And mm-hmm. I actually strongly agree with what she says that you have to kind of earn your soul through yeah. you know, thought, mm-hmm. introspection. You're not just giving it at the start of your life. She you will be a Buddhist in six years, so That's true, six seasons yeah. rather. Well, and this this also fits with Greg Daniels being a philosophy dork as mm. well, like these kind of lines. Which for a second I almost thought like, oh, is this? I got confused that I was like, oh, he created a good place. Like, no, it was his co-creator on Parks and Rec, mm. Mike Schur, who oh, created okay. a good place. Which I didn't know that. Is all about ethics and morals and the soul. Is so. it about ethics and games journalism? That's all uh, I care about. No, unfortunately not. I but it does very it, important. It is all about the. Jack- Jacksonville Jaguars, which, <laughs> man, Cat, I gotta say, oh, this man. really sucked for two. <sighs> I don't care about football like you do, but boy, would have been nice if the Jaguars actually made it to a Super Bowl. Almost like, didn't yeah. suck for once. Yeah, it almost happened. If they just. I hate seeing Bill Belichick happy. It makes me so mad. Just but if the Jaguars had made it and the Vikings hadn't, I would have had to kill you. Oh, the geez. only time I've seen like Bob just back away from the microphone. <laughs> just shut down. Quietly <laughs> protesting this. This is a Simpsons podcast. We talk about uh, the Berenstain Bears, the Simpsons, Hi, Lois. Sergeant Bilko, but no football. Okay, but so there is a sweet ending that's all visual, too, of and just Nancy Bart Cartwright's dreaming acting. of going to heaven. Yeah. It's so good. Greg Daniels yeah. points out this episode implies that Bart dies because he makes died it to that golden sleep. kingdom. Yes, he died in his sleep. Well, but in this world, religion is interesting because, like I said, God literally exists and is interventionalist. And yeah. uh, we see that there is actual honest God, probably proof that Bart does not, Bart loses his soul. Yeah, and, and got it back. God <laughs> controls yeah. automatic doors. And the, the sweet touch, instead of like him having to prove to the audience that his soul is back, you just see the animals sleeping next to him. That was the yeah. first time yeah. I really got oh, it. Oh, you're that right. It meant wow. That, that yeah, letting you know everything is fine now. Yeah. Yes, mm. It's, it's really beautiful. Somewhere a door is opening in the Quickie Mart. <laughs> <laughs> it must have really sucked for the Oakley Weinstein to be 
working on season seven and then lose one of their best writers yeah. so early in Greg Daniels. Is, like, is Hurricane Nettie the same season? Next uh, season. Next season. Yep. season okay, eight, so yeah. there's a couple of very spiritual episodes, I want to say. Oh, yeah. Well, there's also She of Little Faith with mm. uh, Lisa be, being the heretic in yeah, that one. season 13? That's an Al Jean, uh, well, Rooney. Oh, yeah, that's the Buddhist one. I meant, sorry, what's the one uh, where they find the angel? Uh, oh, Lisa so, the Skeptic. Oh, lift, okay, season sorry, nine, getting yeah. that one confused. So How dare you? I want to run this by you. So I've seen multiple people suggest that the seven deadly sins is in this episode. Yeah. Have you seen this? I what think the seven deadly oh, sins are present that. in every work of fiction ever. It's sort of so? like the yeah. monomyth in which you can apply it to everything. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds okay. smart. But well, let's please, please go on, Kat. I want to hear this. Yeah. All right. Well, they're saying Lust is Homer and Marge remembering how they used to make out to the song. Yeah, yeah. we're at our first stretch. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, sure. Gluttony was, of course, Mo turning his bar into a restaurant with the fried stuff and everything. Homer eating spaghetti and mobiles. Greed, uh, Reverend Lovejoy with his coins. Mm, Or Mo with turning his back on the dink. Uh, (laughs) Sloth, uh, Barn Mills House slacking off and cleaning the organ. Mm. Yeah, a little bit of a stretch right there. Uh, Wrath, Reverend Lovejoy gets angry at being fooled. Okay. Uh, Envy, Mo envies the profits of family restaurants. <laughs> Lisa wants $5 after Bart tells her he had $5. Bart envies the kids in the dream for their souls. Pride, Bart being too proud to believe that he is a soul. I see. Well, it turns out you can apply seven very broad concepts to almost any work of fiction. <laughs> I would say the wrath more is Mo yelling at the kid whose soda hurt their teeth. Mm. Ah, that's true. That's, that's, that's true, more yeah. wrath. What about the sin of envy? <laughs> of envy. That's okay. all well and good for sheep, but what do we do? That's a good note to wrap up on. Uh, thanks for listening, folks. This has been Talking Simpsons, a great episode. I've been your host, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo, and my other podcast is Retronauts, a classic gaming podcast every Monday at Retronauts.com, or look for Retronauts in your podcatcher. These guys have been on it recently. We talked about Animaniacs games for an hour, but also uh, recently Henry, he headed up an episode about Spider-Man the games. Yep. Yes, uh, from 1982 to 1996, so... Yeah. We cover a ton of games. Go to Retronauts.com or find Retronauts on any podcast machine and you will download it and you'll love it. We're saving the Neversoft Spider-Man game for part two. Yes. But, uh, I'm going to throw the... I want to hear from Kat what her plugs are. A special guest. All right. Well, I'm on Twitter at the underscore Catbot. Don't worry. I won't make fun of your religion if you come and follow me. <laughs> I, I like people of all different backgrounds and, and things like that. Um, also, I run US Gamer, which is a website about video games. Nice. And we have a mm. podcast called Acts of the Blood God, which is our RPG podcast. It's kind of like Retronauts, but for RPGs. And you should subscribe to us. It's really good. I like that show. And I'm with Nadia Oxford. So, yeah. Yeah, I like that show a lot, too. Uh, Thank you. uh, And so I'm H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter, and you can find me there. That's where I tweet about any new announcements in the world of Simpsons, which that includes our first live show, which now is available for download at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. And we'll uh, maybe put it in the free feed. Anyway, uh, patreon.com slash talking simpsons is what supports me and Bob doing this full time. We just hit our uh, funding milestone to start a whole other podcast. We're getting to work on that now. Now look forward to it. It'll be free, but uh, in but also available a week early on the Patreon. And Futurama is coming soon. That's right. You voted for it, and you you ignored yeah. me saying vote for King of the Hill. But we'll get to it. And I'm still yeah. excited about Futurama. And Futurama season one will be exclusive to Patreon.com/slash Talking. But more importantly, when's there. the Star Trek animated series uh, season? Uh, well, Come on, nobody can spare 13 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, follow all those things. And thanks for your support, folks. Yeah, and uh, Laser Time is another show if you have any more time. But you should definitely check it out because I hereby promise you 
banging my arm on the table. I'm going to do an episode about comic strips because, man, I, I love comic strips more than I love most. I think more than I love comics before I was 10. Uh, I collected those. You've been dreaming of a comic strips episode for a while. It's an audible medium. It's going to be difficult to do, but I think Michael and I spent like an hour laughing at Toon Lagoon, the oh, Universal Studios yeah. Island of Misfit IP, the Kathy Ack <sighs> Cafe, the Tagwood Sandwich Shop. You mean Ask Your Grandma Island? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you're gonna have to steal that bit. No, that's that's not Prince Valiant. That's the shadow. I hate my kid. Twenty bucks. Uh, that joke is yours. Uh, Jesus. Yeah. So uh, I swear we'll do one on that. We have a bunch of other fun episodes up for you now, including one we recently did on Weird Al, uh, like a, celebrating the the work of Weird Al, sort of outside music. Mm. I cannot hear. I listened to Beat It recently, mm. like on an airplane. I put on a collection of 80s music videos just mm-hmm. to watch something on a long flight and when Beat It, the music video came out, I was like, oh well, I only remember the lines from Eat It yep. and I only remember the Eat It music video and now all these jokes from the Eat It music donuts. video It's more plausible than hearing Michael Jackson sing about street fighting, I mean, yeah, seriously uh, But yes, all that and more, 30, 20, 10 a show where we look 30, 20, and 10 years back in time, if you're a Simpsons fan, I had to rewatch um that 90s show, one of the most hated episodes from Simpsons fans, and I came away with a much different opinion this time. We'll get to it in several years. <laughs> yes, but uh, we devoted a couple minutes to it on our shows. Uh, almost interesting. You might like it more than <laughs> didn't you think show. you would. But yes, that and uh, Video Game Apocalypse, our weekly video game podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening, folks. We'll see you next week with Lisa the Vegetarian. A great episode. See you then. infotainment.